This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello. Thanks for listening. My guest this episode is Icelandic comedian Ari Eljan. Ari and I met during the recent Melbourne International Comedy Festival. After having a few chats with Ari, I was very keen to get him on this podcast. He's a very interesting guy with some fantastic stories. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Ari Eljan, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That's the way. Uh, how are you enjoying Australia so far? I'm loving it. Yeah? Yeah, it's a new continent for me. I've never been here before. And uh, I'm finding it really relaxed and welcoming. Yeah, great. What is the highlight for you so far for Australia? Would you say the warmer weather? Oh, definitely. Like um, Weather is always a highlight when going abroad if you're from Iceland, because <laughs> you're quite accustomed to not getting good yeah. weather. It's never, it's never like freezing, but it's all, never that hot either. Yeah. So just having like a sort of a warm afternoon, that, mm. that is like, it's really exciting for me. Yeah, have, have, because you've come here in comedy festival time, so it's currently April, but we've had a couple of warm days of late. In, in saying warm, I mean high 20s. Yeah. Have you experienced 40 degree heat before? Um, I've, I think the hottest I've sort of experienced ever has been in like when I've gone abroad to like Bali or, oh, yeah, right. or, or yeah. like, you know, Spain in, in yeah. summer. But uh, I remember the, uh, <laughs> the hottest day I remember in Iceland was in 2004. And that was 29 degrees. What? And that was like a heat wave. Yeah. And, and people just talked about like, oh, the hottest day ever. <laughs> and everything just for that week, uh, everyone just changed completely. We're quite... We're quite tense there sometimes because it's a small place and yeah. you sort of everyone knows everyone. And for like a week, people were like, "Hey, we can sit outside and drink. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Let's sit outside the House of Parliament yeah. on the grass and drink without freezing." <laughs> and the attitude of that week was really mellow and laid back. And and the Icelandic football team or soccer team they they played a friendly against Italy that week and they won which is just like 2-0 wow <laughs> we're like wow we can do anything <laughs> if it's warm yeah right so cuz often... the the average temperatures through summer are only like 
like mid teens, yeah. like 15, 16. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's about the as hot as it gets. <laughs> and and like we've gone through gone through summers where we have like only a handful of days where it's actually like a clear day, a sunny day. Mm. Like I I remember like five years ago we had a summer where it was just raining all summer long. Wow. It just rained all summer, and it was cold. Yeah, it was cold and windy, <laughs> and it rained. Wow. <laughs> the only thing we do have, like, which is always like a privilege and exotic, is that we have twenty four hour daylight like at the height of summer yes so this is summer something that down. fascinates me about the yeah the nordic countries um is, is australia the furthest you've ever come to perform stand-up comedy yeah eighteen thousand kilometers right <laughs> that's, that's like almost half of the world's yeah. circumference <laughs> so it is Whoa. definitely the furthest i've traveled uh, for a gig so mars would be the next to beat that, you'd have to go to Mars. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not the moon. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's baby steps. Yeah, <laughs> but also uh, this is nice to have Australia as like a current record because I do have another record which was like uh, the least distance traveled, which was my next door neighbor oh, in in Reykjavik. Great. He once booked me, and I was like walked, and I came late for that gig. Mind you. <laughs> Did you just peek over the back fence and see yeah. what was happening? Yeah, it was literally yeah. 10 metres. And I was like, yeah, it's just next door. Like, oh, I better get going, actually. It's uh, it's five past. Could you have just stood on your fence and just done the gig from Might your, your have, side yeah. of the fence? Yeah, yeah, if they'd gone on the balcony, I could have just screamed the whole gig and then invoiced him by mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I know a little bit about Iceland. Uh, I know uh, 350. 40, 350,000 yeah. people is it's the population. 335, 40, yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> soccer team is fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good one a really today. good soccer. And you're off to the World Cup this year as well, yeah. which is yeah. pretty huge. Uh, Bjork mm-hmm. is from Iceland. Yeah, lives, in, lives in the next street next to me. Is that right? Yes. Well, that probably doesn't surprise me, actually, <laughs> in such a small place. Um, and I've got an album by a band called Of Monsters and Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're great as well. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they became huge abroad before they became that famous in Iceland. Like, okay, yeah. They won like a Battle of the Bands in Iceland and then they just yep. became world famous. <laughs> just insane. Yeah. What, what else about Iceland is great that like myself and people from other countries wouldn't be aware of? What, what are the things do you think... Iceland has going for it that people need to come and check out. Well, today, I mean, it's... Well, a lot of people actually would know uh, also, like, the band Seguros. Seguros, oh, yes. yeah. who, who are huge internationally. Yeah. And, uh, well, a lot of Aussies actually do know an Icelandic singer called Asker. Right. Like, Ausker. His name is in Icelandic, Ausker Trusti. And he just played here at the Melbourne Recital Hall, and he's sold out the Sydney Opera House. And, oh, wow. Like, he's famous in Iceland and Australia predominantly. Wow. Yeah, he really... Well, how would if he... How did you think he would have become to be big in Australia? I don't know. He just did a tour of the world, and uh, and Triple J just they just got him and wow. they played him a lot, and That's people great. here just picked it up. And, yeah. and the Aussies tend to welcome like nomadic talent. Yeah, like, people who sort of there's people who come here and become big here, and big, way bigger than they've been at home even. Mm, yeah, which is which is really nice. Like I, yeah, foster care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we because we're so far away from yeah. everything. Like I was looking on Wikipedia. I knew some stuff about Iceland. I, I knew a little bit, but um, it does seem so far away for Australians. Yeah. And I think when anybody comes from there or, you know, we do tend to want to know more about it. We're quite fascinated by that because it's yeah. just somewhere. I don't know anyone that's been to Iceland. I have friends that have been to Norway, Sweden, but yeah, Iceland is. But I'm, after looking on Wikipedia today, I want to go there. And uh, Yeah, like. 
for Australians to go there, I'm almost I'm almost like way more impressed because they actually have to sort of make a massive effort to do it. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, um, Iceland is often an option when traveling across the Atlantic because uh, Iceland is like a hub between America yeah. and Europe. Yeah. So a lot of people fly Iceland Air, where I used to work previously, and and they take advantage of the uh, offer that they have that you can have a layover yeah. for free. So a lot of people do Iceland right. like, on the way. So, so how, how, what's the process of getting to Australia? From what, where did you have to, how many hours are we talking? I, well, I flew to London for three hours. Yeah. And then I waited there for like a couple of hours. And then I jumped on board Singapore Airlines to Singapore, which yeah. is 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And then I waited for three hours. And then I think it was seven hours from Singapore. Right. So three hours from London isn't too bad, is no, it? That's, no, that's pretty, that's not as horrible as you might think. Ah. Like, that is pretty... Like it's three hours to London, and it's actually only an hour fifty to Glasgow. Wow, it's that close. You have to fly a different way to London. It's like considerably longer, and yeah. also a longer holding pattern, I think, at the airport. Yeah. And then yeah, it's like three hours from the Nordic countries. We're usually three hours from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so does it just baffle you that we have to fly? We can fly four and a half hours within the country to get from one side to the other. <laughs> yeah, that's when I woke up on my flight uh, coming to Melbourne, I was like, looked at the f- radar thing like, oh, okay, we're in Australia now. That's not, hang on, four hours left? <laughs> Perth? Okay, whoa. <laughs> so I have some friends living in Perth and, and I yeah. was like sort of getting in touch with them before I came like, hey, I'll be in Melbourne. You guys want to maybe pop over? They're like, nobody's popping over there, man. <laughs> like some people have never been, if they live in Melbourne, they've yeah. never been to Perth. Oh, they've never been out of Victoria, the state. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah it's so, so big. Uh, and, and whereabouts did you grow up in Iceland? Uh, I grew up in Reykjavik, which is the capital and yep. also like where one third of the population lives. And around Reykjavik is also another one third. So two thirds of the country lives in and around Reykjavik. Is a lot of the other, the rest of the parts of the country uninhibitable? Like, yeah, is it- like um, it's mainly the coastal line. Where yeah. small towns are scattered all over. Historically, most of them are like fishermen villages. Yeah, and um, uh, the highlands of Iceland are are pretty uh, uninhabitable. Like it's pretty windy and cold there. So the country is like a hundred thousand square kilometers, but it's mainly the coastal line that's populated. Right. But yeah, it's it's a big country. Like yeah. It, it, although we have only three hundred forty thousand people, there's like three point four people per square kilometer, which is <laughs> actually comparable to Australia. Wow. Like Icelanders and Australia are on a list of the world's most underpopulated countries. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there snowfields there? Is, is skiing and snowboarding a, a pastime for people? Or is it's it really a- weird that like snow, like proper skiing snow is um, quite fickle there actually. Right. The whole country is warmed up by the Gulf Current. So despite its like longitude... Is positioned like it's really far up, but still, like the Gulf Current keeps it way warmer than it should ah, be. Oh, wow. So, even though we think it's really cold, it's still like nothing like what like that same degree north would be in like Newfoundland and Canada or or like Finland. You would go like minus 30 in winter there, but yeah. we're usually around like zero. Okay. Minus five, six, maybe. Yeah. So, snow sometimes. The, we have like local mountains with a skiing range that it's not always open. We don't have that much snow, to be right. honest. And they're thinking of creating like a machine to yeah. to make it. You showed me a photo of your deck, your back deck, looking out to the beach, like the sand and the ocean, and it looked like it looked like paradise. And then I said, "Do you swim there?" And you're like, "No." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looked yes. very inviting, the water, but it's so beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. We uh, we just like 
grab the flat, which is in Seltjarnanes, next to Reykjavik, and it's by the ocean. You can see, like, the Atlantic. But, like, most of the year, it's so windy, <laughs> and, like, it, you can't keep anything in the garden. Like, we had a trampoline for our daughter, and our new neighbor said, like, oh, you're not bringing that here. We're like, why not? Don't you like kids? Like, no, it's just going to go into the ocean. It's just, you can't keep anything in the garden. It has to be completely bolted to the right. ground if it's supposed to be there. <laughs> But it's really beautiful. Yeah. But like most of the year, like you don't even go out. You just watch <laughs> it through the window. <laughs> Otherwise, you just die. <laughs> right. uh, I, I'm curious to know how it was like growing up there with the. Uh, I've always been fascinated by the you know the sun. Certain times of the year is out for 20 hours a day. Is that right? Yeah, or and can it never be... gets dark. I mean, right. if, if you go like to the far corners of the country, you can sort of see it not going down. Wow. Which is just amazing. It yeah. just becomes like crimson colored and it just gets this strange color and it just dips down a bit yeah. to the horizon, but it doesn't really go down <laughs> and just raises up again. It's yeah. amazing. I had a friend, he went to school in Norway for a couple of years, and I remember him saying they had big times of the year off, like they didn't go to school for long periods of time. Was right. that the same for you? In Yeah, like we had a really long summer uh, yeah. vacation. It was longer when I was a kid, like three months, three and a half months or something. Yeah, wow. It was like really long. And that's just because you can't, because you can't get enough sleep or... I don't know why that is. <laughs> I think like historically maybe it was just like, oh, we're not going to make you go to school when it's not horrible, when it's yeah. like bearable weather. Yeah, right. Just stay at home, kids. Yeah. It probably was some economical thinking behind it back in the day. Yeah. And we, and we do school for a long time. Like now people like matriculate when they're 19, but they used to do that when they were 20 when I was... Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, we right. do like uh, secondary school. Yeah. Matriculation. <laughs> Students' exam, we call it. Right. So, um, yeah. So, of, so of a day, if it's the sun's up for twenty hours or the whole day, so if it never gets dark, you just in, you just try and go to bed at when it says ten p.m. Or yeah. you, you, does your body clock just get used to your body clock? Definitely goes out of need, whack if you are not used to it. Yeah, and you just need dark curtains. Yeah, and you really need you need like proper curtains that yeah. completely shut off the yeah. bright and. Um, yeah, I have a friend from Scotland who came and stayed with me once and, <laughs> and the room he was staying in in my flat didn't have like proper dark curtains and, and he just didn't sleep. He he just hallucinated on the couch yeah. and was like, Christ, man, I got a headache when he woke up. It's <laughs> <laughs> <a> rough, man. <laughs> but then you get adjusted to it. But I think like people are, a lot of Icelanders, are, their body clock is really screwed up because... Yeah. Because they have too long night in winter and yeah. too long day in summer. Right. So it never reaches any equilibrium. I think like January, December, January and February are really hard there. Mm-hmm. Because you're just like, oh Christ, when you wake up, it's just pitch black. <laughs> and you drag yourself out of bed and you're like, oh, oh. And then it's like noon at 12.50. And then the sun is almost gone at like 3.50. Wow. So you're like, oh yeah. And then when you're supposed to go to bed, you you kind of miss the body's cues, yeah. the circadian rhythms. Yeah. And then at like 10, you're like, I'm up. <laughs> and then you maybe go to bed at like 12 or 1 or God. 2 because you, your body just has no idea what it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I would struggle with that. I really yeah, I think most people do. And, uh, and yeah, but I'd never experienced like being so messed up as when I came here, when I did the flight here. Yeah. I took all the precautions. I, I took like uh, sleeping medication mm-hmm. on the plane and and rested up and, and paced myself completely. Still, I went to bed at 10 and fell asleep. And I always just woke up at 2 <laughs> in the night. Like, I'm up. Yeah. 
and I didn't fall asleep again. <laughs> and now my daughter is here, and she's woken up like two nights in a row at midnight. Right. Just at like, Ready to okay, die. let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Have you been taking her around the city at midnight just for a show, actually, show of the sights? I actually did last <laughs> night before, because I had to keep her up yeah. so she wouldn't fall asleep too early and wake up at midnight. <laughs> so we were like walking through um, uh, Little Bork Street, and then we yeah. rode the tram, and it was like, she was almost falling asleep. Like, Stay up, baby. I'm not waking up with you this night. <laughs> um, growing up there, what, what sort of stuff did you get up to? Did you play a lot of sport uh, in Iceland? or? Well, I never what? really got into sport. Like, my family kind of missed the memo. Like, yeah. they, like, nobody even watched football in my house. Really weird. Like, all of my friends were really into football. And, yeah. and team handball is quite popular there, too. Okay, yeah. I remember all of my friends got into, like, NBA, though, when I was, like, 10, like, early 90s. Yeah. But, yeah, I kind of missed out on that. And my, my thing was always, like, I was always into, like, films yeah. and filmmaking. So I had, like, a little video camera. Right. would make, like, sequels to Hollywood movies <laughs> on a budget. Excellent. I made, like, Batman 3, I remember, and Correct. Freddy Krueger 7. Both can, films can we were see these anyway? No, I've, unfortunately, they have been erased because I only had one tape. So I had to tape <laughs> over my masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, they, both of the original franchises eventually made like Batman 3. Yeah. I, I, I felt mine was superior. Better, yeah. time, but, but they had a bigger uh, distributor, I guess. Yeah, yeah fair but enough. But yeah, that's how I sort of, um, I remember the whole of my childhood was a lot of like, me and my friends were heavily into sort of, uh, films and and making writing plays and yeah. stuff like that. Very stupid stuff. Like yeah, right. nothing artistic at yeah. all. Did you did you have much of an American influence? Because here in Australia, we had a lot of music and TV and film from America. Yeah. Is it same there? Yeah, yeah, same there. Uh, oftentimes, like when you grew up in Iceland, you would get like American films in theaters before they hit like Europe. Ah, right. Yeah. Iceland just had a closer connection to yeah. it. Like we also had a military base for decades. Of the US. Yeah, yeah. naval base. Yeah. Leftover from World War Two, and, and they pumped so much money into the country and right. and like everything was built by them, roads and uh, airports. C- the country was really poor before they came and they just like, Hello, you guys wanna <laughs> you guys wanna make some money? <laughs> yes please. <laughs> for like half a century they were like one of the biggest uh, suppliers of jobs in the country. Wow. But then they buggered off. And when they left was there quite a uh, I remember there was a financial crisis, wasn't there? In, yeah, yeah. They was, left. It, was it corresponding with them leaving? Or was no, it was, it was just before. Just before, right. Many people also claim that if they had not left before that happened, that then maybe America would have actually bailed out the Icelandic government or yeah. bailed out the banks. But in a way, it's good they didn't because uh, the Icelandic government did everything they could to bail out the banks, but yeah. then they just didn't have enough money. Right. And they just got, uh, they all went tits up. Right. But uh, historically, sort of, Iceland is known for being the country that didn't bail out its banks. We, we try to. <laughs> That's the yeah. thing. The government really put us into debt to wow. do it, but they just didn't have enough money. And and where were you? You were living there at the time and, yeah. and working yeah. full time? I was watching that. I was working at an advertising agency, so yeah. people there were quite uneasy and paranoid about, yeah. like, oh, my God, we're going to get wiped out. Yeah. We're the first ones to go <laughs> in times of financial crisis. Absolutely. And that was crazy, man. The people were rioting in the streets and uh, tear gas was being fired into crowds. I've never seen that happen there before. Wow. It's a very uneventful place normally. Yeah. And and how, how did it, the country sort of rebound from that is it just unbelievably well like yeah. uh, there was just the self-esteem of the country has probably never been lower like there was a lot of internalizing like oh we did this to ourselves yeah yeah <laughs> it was our it was our uh, arrogance that did this to us yeah but then um, 
coinciding with this or just a couple of years after this? There was the uh, volcano that went off in 2010. That's like two years after. Yes. Uh, after the banking crisis, and that got such huge exposure all over the world. There was like a Google Analytics study done. It was at one point like to to see how many people and where are people Googling Iceland. Yeah. And it turned out that like Iceland didn't get Googled a lot at yeah. all. Yeah. But of all the countries in the world, the country that Googled Iceland the most was Iceland. So like it was just <laughs> Icelanders checking like, uh, but two exceptions. It was like the bank crisis. There was a fair portion of the world that Googled Iceland for a couple of days there. Yeah. But that was nothing next to the volcano. That was like yeah. literally one of the top stories in the world for a couple of days. Yeah. And riding on that, uh, the Icelandic government had like a thing where they were like trying to market Iceland as a tourist destination <laughs> because it was competitive for the first time in years. It's usually been a really expensive place to visit because right. of the overly strong currency. But now the currency was in free fall. So it was really cheap. You Come could see, on like, over, yeah. yeah, like backpackers showed up and went to like the fancy restaurants. Wow. And that was just really interesting. Yeah. So we needed all the help we could get. And Iceland just became super busy after that. And it's yeah. like overflowing with tourism at the moment. That's great. Yeah, it, it's good. But like in a way, we, weren't, we don't really have the infrastructure for, I think we get like two million people or something a year now. Yeah. It's like six times the population. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Uh, your English is very good. Uh, do you learn that at school? We you, do, yeah. we do. But I learned it a bit earlier because I moved to Canterbury in England when I was seven. Ah, right. And I think like my friends at school started learning English there, like maybe when they were eleven. Yeah. Although most of my friends did know some English just by watching TV and piecing it together. Yeah. Uh, but I learned it uh, really fast when I was seven, and always kept it alive. And then over the years, my accent has just gone all over the place. Like I would speak with English accent. Then after a period of just watching American movies, I just started speaking like this. <laughs> and my native accent should be like this. Yeah. And I should always say, Arr, yeah. really nice to be here. <laughs> Can you say your name? Are Eldjord. Right. But I wouldn't speak it that harshly. Like I would, I would, when I speak Icelandic, it doesn't sound like a Viking language at all. It's just like really fast and really yeah. slurred. <laughs> do you have Do you have family connections to Vikings back in the? Yeah, everyone the does. Oh, really? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how because it, it was. It was ninth uh, century. Was that right? It was founded. Perfect. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, like there's a database online which is called Islandinga Bok, Icelander Book, and that contains the genealogical data for everyone because everything has been preserved like archived and, and recorded so i could like punch in the names of settlers yeah and just see my lineage to them wow yeah it's amazing that's fantastic <laughs> like the viking sars we have the icelandic sars there's yeah. a massive uh, one about eil skatlakrimson a very famous uh, brutal poet and a uh, sort of viking raider yeah and I can just punch up his name, and I see <laughs> I'm directly descended from him. That is twenty awesome. times like down or something. Yeah, is it is that what a lot of people are coming to look at in the tourism side of things? The what's left over? Is there much left over from those days? Is there old like huts and things still? There's there's a pretty good national museum that has some Viking artifacts. Actually, my yeah. grandfather was head of the national museum. <laughs> and as such, he uh, uh, spearheaded like a couple of uh, really big excavations where they were like unearthing some real old stuff. Wow. And he also designed like the uh, old exhibition. They've changed it since then. 
And he lived in the National Museum because back in the day, if you were like the head of the National Museum, there was like a small flat for you as well. Yeah. And he just moved in there with my my father and his siblings. Wow. So there were like a six people family in a tiny little apartment <laughs> meant for like one man, I think almost. <laughs> and my father grew up in the National Museum. Wow. And he had to lock up at nights when he was like seven and he would like just walk not looking to the sides because it was like skeletons of Vikings with swords. <laughs> and like, just look at the key. Like, don't look at the Vikings. <laughs> don't look at the creepy Viking corpse. <laughs> so he stayed there like for 10 years or something. Yeah. Nine years. Oh, so, so your grandfather was able to dig up some pretty amazing stuff then when they yeah. did the excavation? Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, he became president of Iceland in, a, in part because of this. Because um, Wait a minute. Your grandfather was president... Of Iceland. Yes, he was the third president of Iceland. Wow. <laughs> yeah, small this country, is, yeah. man. <laughs> the president you, is like a... I love that you live next to... Live around the corner from Bjork and you're... <laughs> it's, like, it's still amazing. Like, even though it's 340,000 people, it's still... That's oh, it's cool. really easy to establish a connection yeah. to people that you're like, oh yeah, I know that. Oh no, yeah, no problem. Yeah, usually you can look look up someone through me and like, oh yeah, I know I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> But yeah, he, uh, he he got like a TV show in 1966 when the Icelandic uh, sort of ABC, like the Icelandic uh, national state television station was founded. And uh, like they didn't have much budget for making programs. So they just had him in a studio, like looking in a big old studio camera <laughs> and just showing like a spear and uh, some bones and, yeah. and just explaining what this was. Great. He became quite known for that. And... Um, then he ran two years later as presidential candidate and he won, um, <laughs> which is... was just like the most unlikely course <laughs> people could have thought. Yeah. Didn't come from politics or anything. No, he just got like a David Attenborough of Iceland digging yeah. up all the old, yeah. And yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. And what was what was your grandfather's name? His his name was Christian Eltjord. Christian, and, he, and he'd have a Wikipedia page if I was to yeah yeah. I check that out. I and don't actually have a Wikipedia page. Uh, I think I should do what everyone does and write my own. <laughs> but I'm always waiting for like, surely I must be famous enough. Yeah. For some madman to write one for me <laughs> yeah. hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Maybe off the back of this podcast, you hopefully might, someone might write some, one. For some you. Australian Wikipedia madman yeah. is going to write me one filled with dubious quotations. Yeah. Well, you have all the you have Wikipedia links, don't you? To yeah, the president, uh, the prime minister, and is it president or prime minister? President. President. Yeah, like president is a head of state. Yeah. So like all the official power is like executed by the prime minister and ah, okay, yeah, cabinet. Yeah. But um, yeah, head of state, which is like more like ribbon cuttings and and state visits. Yeah. Not actual like we have to take down the budget. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, did Did you study at university? Over there, is it? Um, no, I finished like uh, secondary school. Yeah, and then I signed up for literature for like half a year, but I it wasn't. I, I didn't have. Mm. I didn't really plan on doing anything. Yeah. There, so I just left, and uh, I sort of didn't do much for a few years after I finished school. I until I sort of uh, worked, worked like briefly as a journalist. Uh, did not do really well, <laughs> and uh, then I worked like as a laborer. Yeah, which I did did pretty well at. Yeah, and then I worked. Uh, That's going to be one of the assistant. toughest jobs in a place that gets a top temperature of fifteen, sixteen degrees. Yeah, being well, a I made, a, made an effort to not do that in winter because right. it would be too cold outside. <laughs> but uh, it was nice in summer. Get some <laughs> exercise. But then, yeah, I worked as a teacher's assistant, and during like uh, 
one winter when we were working in the primary school, there was a strike. So like the teachers just disappeared for seven weeks, as did the students. But all the sort of teachers' assistants and janitors and those people who just worked directly for the school and not for the state, yeah. uh, they had to come to work every day and do nothing. <laughs> oh, and wow. one of the teachers' assistants said, like, hey, you are so funny, man. You, you should yeah. be a flight attendant like me. I was like, <laughs> you what? I'm a flight attendant. I'm studying how to be a, a pilot and I do flight. You, you'd fit in, man. They would like you. I was like, really? So I took some exam and I went yeah. for like a audition <laughs> and I just got hired. <laughs> and I, I never thought I'd be a flight attendant. Yeah. Like, That's unlikely. <laughs> but I did. And uh, in a way, it changed a lot for me. It was a lot of fun. And who did you work for? Is it Icelandic? Iceland Air. Air. Yeah. I Iceland Air. Yeah, oh. like, the, like the sort of main airline. Main one, yeah. The flag carrier yeah. airline. And where were the most of the flights you were taking? Um, there, I, I did about 10 flights a month. And there would usually be eight to Europe and two to North America. Okay. And the North American ones were nice because you got a layover. You could like stay there for twenty or sometimes forty hours. And, yeah. Um, and I went to the I went to the states for the first time as a flight attendant. Right. I just remember that I went to Minneapolis for the first time, and I was just overwhelmed with everything. Like <laughs> everything was so big. Like even the sewers were too big. Yeah. Like the toilets are too big, <laughs> and everything smelled like cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. Just like welcome to America, kid. Yeah. And I remember just going into a department store called Target and just losing my shit. I just <laughs> bought like a Darth Vader helmet and an iPod, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was 2005. Try, did you want to recreate a Star Wars film once you got home, or? Uh, yeah, I think I mentally regressed to being like 12, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I'm going to make such a good Star Wars film when I get home with my mother's video camera. <laughs> Did you have any scary plane experiences? Any flying? No, no, never. But we did train for a lot of them. Yeah. Train, train for uh, delivering babies and also like uh, uh, defibrillating people. Yeah, right. And, um, and also how to uh, neutralize terrorists. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was really nice to train because for that. Would, yeah, right. Not terrifying at all. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were, you were saying your uh, the staff at the school told you you were very funny and that you should do flight attending, um, be a flight attendant... Uh, did, when was stand-up sort of? When did that come into the into the fold? We, we, did you find like you were chatting to people on planes and getting good reaction, or did you use the did you use the handset on the plane to well, say? I, yeah, the tannoy. I, yeah. I only spoke into that a couple of times, yeah. and because it was a flag carrier airline, there, there were pretty strict guidelines on how to conduct oneself. Right. We later would have an airline which is now operating called Wow, which is like a low-cost funny airline <laughs> where they do like all sets of jokes over the tannoy, <laughs> like "Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a party on the life raft." Um, no, but I did sort of find that I could do small talk pretty well, like. And and people who were sort of maybe nervous and flying, I, I felt that I wasn't, I didn't have much problems with like confronting them or dealing yeah. with them. I, they always tell you to kill everyone with kindness. Yeah. It's like the motto of the flight attendant, kill right. them with kindness. <laughs> what can I do for you? Oh, what can I do to help you? Like never go like Adam again. Like yeah, I feel like that's died out in Australian flight attendants. I don't feel that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> well, it really depends on the airline. I mean, right. some airlines uh, don't force it like don't um, execute that at, at all yeah some of them are like yeah who cares <laughs> but i think it's also harder to fly today than it used to be because it's it's less ceremonial like mm. back in the day when it was more expensive there was more space people would dress up for the flights yeah and, yeah and they just feel like they were going to like a official visit or something yeah now you're just crammed into these <laughs> like cubicles <laughs> yeah so how old were you when you when you did your first stand-up spot well, this flight attendant stuff was like when I was 24, 25, 2005, 2006. And then the first time I did stand-up was in 2009. And we did that 
the winter, like the summer after that horrible winter where the banks all went. Ah, yeah, yeah. Collapse. And um, some friends of mine had tried doing stand-up, the two of them, at a bar. This isn't like a complete void. There was no scene to speak of. There had been stand-up occasionally once in a while in the decade before, but there was nothing happening. Mm. And they just wanted to try it. And they booked like a bar and the two of them had a go at it. And they both did 50 minutes. What? It's just like way too long. It's crazy. That is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. they're really confident confident guys. (laughs) And both of them came from like music. So they were used to doing like, you know, two hour shows. And they did 50 minutes. And um, it went so well that I said, can I join you guys next time? And another friend of mine, joined as well and we stayed together since then wow because we performed for the first years we only performed like together yeah then we would sort of individually start doing corporate gigs here and there or birthday parties yeah but we always kept that show going and we've we've had that show a mixed bill show Uh, we had it going since 2010 and we've done like 350 shows now. Wow. We're approaching 400 yeah. shows. And in the same, you got the same venue? or do you? More or less the same yeah. venue, which is the basement of the National Theatre. Right. Which we got because there was very little going on there when we started. And yeah, we've, I think we've got, we've sold 70,000 tickets wow. since we started. We do like 10 to 13,000 per year. Yeah. And we're just like slowly waiting to crack 100,000. Yeah. And then we're just going to make a claim that it's the biggest show ever in yeah. Iceland. Like one third of the country has seen it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So uh, b- before that, was there not much of a... Like, did you get many uh, American or English stand-ups come through? You get occasionally. Like yeah, yeah you, like I remember being 17 in 98 and Seinfeld came. Oh, wow. And I went and saw him. And I think he was the first stand-up that I saw live. Wow. But I didn't have uh, Channel 2, which was a pay-per-view channel in Iceland. Yeah. We had two channels, you see. <laughs> channel 2, the ultimate luxury. <laughs> so I didn't see a lot of Seinfeld. So I wasn't that aware of, uh, I, like, I knew he was f- huge, but I didn't really know him. So, so in, in a way, it's quite kind of strange. Because yeah. now, if I would see him now, I would just be like losing my mind <laughs> to see him now. Yeah. But I was kind of like, yeah, he's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, what a great first stand-up to see. Yeah, like Life. putting the bar way too high. Mm. And some guy opened up for him who was amazing, and I don't remember who it was. He was just like a touring comedian with him. Yeah. It was just like really good American-style stand-up. Right. Had a bit about like driving uh, a stick shift and driving an automatic. Yeah. It was like a very American bit. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. But then, like, the first sort of stand-up that I remember being blown away with was an Icelandic guy called Jón Gnar, who did, like, the first proper real stand-up show, like an hour, two-hour show even, in Iceland, which was called I Was Once a Nerd. (laughs) And that was, like, the biggest Icelandic stand-up show of all time. And he is an absolute legend, and he would later go on to run for mayor in 2010 (laughs) in the wake of the financial crisis with a joke party called The Best Party. Oh, which just had this amazing list of stupid promises. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they won. Yeah, like they got six seats. You need you need a majority. You need eight seats. So yeah. they made a coalition with the Social Democrats, and he became mayor overnight. <laughs> and he was just like presiding over his first like uh, uh, municipal meeting, and he was just getting briefed on stuff like, um, well, the um, 
the ESA has uh, told us we need to uh, patch up our regulation. And he was just like saying, like, excuse me, what is ESA? And people <laughs> like, uh, well, uh, it's the European Surveillance Authority. Hmm. And is it something we need to do or will it happen automatically? Uh, it should happen automatically. The lawyers are honest. Okay, good. Next! <laughs> like, a, like a mayor who wasn't afraid to show people he didn't know anything. <laughs> And what's he doing now? Uh, well, he left office in 2014. He uh, didn't run again, I think pretty wisely. I mm. mean, he proved all he had to prove. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and now he's just like a freelance writer, actor, comedian. And uh, yeah, like Doug Stanhope came to Iceland and he was like fascinated with Jungnar. Wow. And he got in touch with him immediately. And, uh, was, like, and he always calls him Mr. Mayor. <laughs> 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 so he is... If, if you sort of if someone that big, would he have ever thought about moving to to like England or like the UK to try and young not yeah to do well, was he yeah. doing predominantly uh, all the stand up and when you guys started your four group in the bottom of the theatre, were you all doing speaking English or Icelandic? No, we all of us spoke Icelandic and yeah. Jungnar, um well he, he has performed in English and he has performed at festivals today if he would go abroad it's it's often linked with him having run for mayor. Yeah. So he got like a huge audience. Like he's lived in Texas for a while after right. this and uh, had like a residency at a university there. And uh, mm. and he's a writer mainly now. But yeah, like um, there is a small English speaking comedy scene in Iceland now that's sort of starting now. Right. There's been like one room that's been going every Monday for two years where there's English comedy. It's all free mm-hmm. and a lot of tourists come and see it. But no, we, we did our stand-up in English. But I know that like in Estonia, their comedy scene started in 2009 as well. And I know that they just spoke English from yeah. the get-go. They didn't right. do it in Estonia. Yeah. But that would have never crossed our minds. Yeah. We were like, no, 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 this is for locals. And yeah. <laughs> so um, um, I'm happy we did it that way. I don't think it would have been good if I had done it first in English. Yeah. I, I have this body of work that I can just sort of translate now. Yeah. I think that's much nicer. Yeah, absolutely. And it, how many how many comedians would you say there is based in in the capital there in Iceland? Well, like uh, maybe performing as like people who are like making a living as stand up comedians. Mm. That's probably in around ten people or something. Right. We could actually just say that they do that for a living. Yeah. And pro- probably there's there's like forty or fifty stand up comedians who I would say are performing on a regular enough basis. And of yeah. course, everyone knows each other. Yeah. So it's a fairly, fairly small scene, yeah. as you would expect. Yeah. And were you able to become well known quite quickly as a result yes. of doing those shows to so many people? Well, the thing was that our group became quite known quite fast because it was like the only game in town, really. And uh, we had a quite distinctive name, which is Mid Island, which means the Central Iceland. Yeah. A really weird name for a standard <laughs> group, but it's catchy. And um, I would. Uh, immediately sort of like um, a thing I had really early in my career was that I did a really Im- uh, convincing impression of a famous national singer, like a, a national treasure. Yeah. I could just do his voice really well. So I did like this uh, radio skit where I was like doing him, doing his radio show. Yeah. He had a radio show at the time. And this is something that people just start, like, started sharing like mad. And right. uh, eventually they made me do like a, a phone prank where I like with him in cahoots, we phoned his manager and I told him in his voice that I had to cancel some gigs because I was sick and then I <laughs> proceeded to have a, an argument with his manager. <laughs> this got shown on TV. I have never gotten as much exposure for wow. anything I've ever done. Like for a week, I could barely leave the house because everybody has seen it. 
wow. in such a small country. Like yeah. if everyone sees it, it becomes really like, hey man, I saw that thing, it was amazing. <laughs> like, it was once a guy who cornered me in a bar and picked me up and held me out <laughs> and just like, took me to an alley. And I just thought, this is it, this is it, this is how it ends. And then he said like, I saw your impression, it was really good, but mine is better, listen. And then he did an impression, it was not good. <laughs> but I was so scared of him, I went like, that's pretty good, yeah. until he let me go. The guy sounds a lot like a Viking. Yeah. <laughs> so I had like a couple of things going for me really early that were like way more, that I became known for, which wasn't stand-up directly. Yeah. But it all happened really fast. And mm. like over the course of one year, I sort of switched careers and... Stopped yeah. working at the advertising wow. agency. Yeah, it's a crazy, yeah, it's a crazy life, and I do like three hundred gigs a year. Wow, in Iceland, which yeah. which is mainly because it's so small. You can do like seven gigs a night if you mm. want, because you can just ten minutes between each yeah. place. Yeah, but I'm I'm kind of slowing it down a bit now. It's, right. it's getting a bit too hectic to <laughs> sort of like I I never said no to anything. Like it didn't matter what it was. Like you want to do a gig in front of ten people? Sure. Yeah, and then you get it. a really big one. Next to it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you did your. Was it last year? You did your first full English speaking yeah. show. Yeah, at the Fringe. Yeah, so you took it to Edinburgh Fringe. Yep, uh, like a fifty-five hour hour show. It was like a. It was just one hour show. Yeah, but, but 50, 50 minutes, fifty-five minutes usually. I think I was like going in there. I was afraid it was not going to be long enough. Yeah, <laughs> I was really nervous that if I would do it only forty nine minutes, that people would get upset, which yeah. they weren't. They really, <laughs> they're really happy to leave because it's so hot in most of the rooms. But yeah, I had met a guy uh, years before in Copenhagen when I did a gig with a Danish friend, and when I did like twenty minutes in English there, and that guy was Bob Slayer, who runs Heroes right. of Fringe. Yeah, and uh, I got in touch with him last year, and 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 he had a space for me at this club called the Monkey Barrel. Yeah, and that just turned out to be a fantastic venue, and I got a slot which was really early in the day, like thirteen fifty, like ten minutes to two. Yeah, but it turned out to be great because it was always people around, and, yeah. and nobody was pissed, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, seventy seater did a whole run there, and it was just amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. When you translated the show, like when you – was most of the, the 55 minutes exactly what you'd said in Icelandic just changed to English? Yeah. Like um, usually if I perform in Iceland to like groups or corporate groups or like uh, conferences, it tends to be 15 to 20 minutes. That tends yeah. to be the length during like a mixed bill of various performances. And I'd done so many of these bits in English for like foreign groups coming to Iceland. Right. You know, radiologists from Scandinavia. Like a lot of them are like conferences for Scandinavian people. Right. And that was like my real training ground for speaking English, uh, yeah. doing comedy in English, performing it in Iceland, in English, in front yeah. of people whose second language is English. Mm. Was it was there much difference in your, you know, with t timing and pauses and things in stand-up are very important. Was there much difference in that? Like no. transfer, you just found it was the same beats? Yeah. Trans and yeah. and I, I was convinced that it was going to be different in the yeah. UK. I was convinced that they were going to be more unforgiving of an audience, like wouldn't suffer fools gladly. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, they just turned out to be normal people, like the ones I performed for <laughs> in Scandinavia. And uh, no, I didn't have to change anything. But I did write maybe a couple of little bits specifically for the UK. Right. And I've thrown in a couple of things specifically for Australia. Coming yeah. over here. The first gig I did here, I thought like, oh, maybe I went in over my head here. Maybe this is too far away. Maybe, mm. maybe I don't belong. And then, two gigs in and I was like oh it's amazing here oh they like all the jokes <laughs> yeah yeah that's great so it was the first gig you did here where we met at the ABC Comedy Bites was that your first perform time performing in Australia yes 
Yeah. So yeah. That, that was a pretty cool start. Yeah. There's a thousand people in a beautiful yeah, theatre. Beautiful room. Yeah. And I um I was I was a bit nervous for that. I was still jet lagged and I'd gotten <laughs> flu before I came here. Yeah. So I was like proper tired when we did that gig. And I remember the only thing I thought was like, oh, I hope my mouth doesn't dry up. And then I walked <laughs> on stage and did like three minutes. Yeah. Uh yeah, that the comedy bites, I've done like a warm-up gig the night before, and then that was the second gig I've done in Australia. Right. Yeah. But that felt like the first big one. Yeah. And, and you are here. You are here at this comedy festival. It's getting towards a comedy festival now, and this podcast will probably come out after it's over. Yeah, but yeah. but you you came here to Melbourne this year as a result of how well your show went in Edinburgh. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's quite amazing because like, you just went to Edinburgh for the first time, yeah. totally unsure of how things are going to go. <laughs> yeah. It goes so amazingly well. Australian people from the festival, Melbourne Comedy Festival, see you over there, didn't they? And, and I, uh, yeah, I think someone might have. Yeah. And also, I got uh, my manager came to see me at the Monkey Barrel, and um, she came to the first show actually. Yeah, and we sort of entered into a working relationship after the Fringe. So I came home from the Fringe with like management, yeah, excluding Iceland, of course, because I just managed myself over there. But the, they sort of uh, they put me through to the Melbourne people and made things happen because I would never have done that. Like I yeah. would never have Googled like who books the Melbourne Festival <laughs> and they sort of did that. And the Melbourne Festival has just treated me amazingly well. Yeah. So nice. Had you heard of Melbourne International Comedy Festival I had, be- I had. before Edinburgh? Before yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah. I had before and like I sort of before I went to Edinburgh I knew that like the main ones were like Edinburgh, Melbourne and then Montreal, just for laughs. Yeah, yeah. And then you heard maybe a couple of more, like Montreux, you'd heard, I'd heard of that as mm. well. Yeah. But yeah. So is it quite, is it a bit of a spin out that you're now, you know, a year ago you were, not even a year ago, you were just heading to Edinburgh and now you're mm-hmm. sitting in Australia, <laughs> yeah, bringing it, your family out here and doing it, the it's full It's unreal, run. man. Yeah. It's <laughs> unreal. And I haven't stopped. Like, sin- like I took all of last summer off. And then I did a couple of warm-up gigs in in Iceland in July in English, mm-hmm. which is quite unusual for me, with a Finnish comedian who's called Ismo, who's here as well. Ah, oh, yes, hilarious comedian. Yeah. And Ismo has done really well. He's been to, he lives in the states now, in LA, and, um, <laughs> and and yeah. Then I just went to the French, and I haven't stopped working since that, like in the beginning of August. I've just worked non-stop, <laughs> and and it's even more stressful to work at home it in a way doing a festival is like a vacation because you only have the yeah. one gig per day yeah but then at ho- if you're at home doing gigs you have multiple gigs during one day and you're juggling like family and and, yeah. and everything with that and we moved as well yeah around christmas we we moved flats so, <laughs> yeah i'm I've, i'm coming off the back of like half a year of just non-stop yeah. work and this feels like a really amazing end to that <laughs> incredible binge yeah so you have a nice holiday once this is oh this yes is done. oh I'm before gonna edinburgh s- yeah. i'm gonna take some i'm not gonna do edinburgh again no. this year we're right. expecting another child oh right <laughs> nice one <laughs> so i'm legally excused from edinburgh but I, yeah i would like to come back here next year man. yeah this, great. this is so amazing to be here and, yeah and you found as I, I find that interesting because i'm going to edinburgh for the first time this year amazing and, man. The, and i just like that you've come up from a country that speaks a different a you know, a massively different language to yeah. come here and then speak English that you find that it's nice to know that everyone around the world finds things funny no matter where you're from, you know, that the, yeah, yeah. I, I was always thinking that going to Edinburgh I might have to change a lot of material or you might have to change words here and there, but it's nice to know that, you know. Oh, you probably don't have to do that much yeah. changes at all. Um, 
I also think that, like, of course, it's really easy for me to to generalize about what it's like to do gigs abroad because I I can speak clear enough English for most people to understand. I usually mm. get like told, oh, oh, you speak really good English. Yeah. So there's less of a barrier maybe yeah. because I'm also heavily into like mimicry and doing different accents. Yeah. So a lot of the times people will even think that I speak better English than I actually do. <laughs> Sometimes I will literally not know words, yeah. <laughs> but I can just hide it. <laughs> and I think when you do it in, in, uh, in Edinburgh, I think your Aussie accent is going to be a huge asset. Right. And I think yeah. actually from the one clip that I've seen with you, which I think <laughs> is the funniest clip I've ever seen. With spiders can hear us now. It's, uh, it's nice, exciting. It's exciting. Spiders can hear us. Like they just developed the ability now. Um, I think that stuff is just going to go down Great. so well. How good to know. Because it's so dry. And it's so, uh, yeah, and, uh, and the whole sort of uh, laid, back, uh, laid back delivery is, uh, is going to be a huge asset for ah, nice. the fringe. Excellent. Now, uh, do you think you'll, you'll stay in Iceland for the next little while? Do you have any plans to move to America or the UK? Well, the UK I've thought about more and more mm. because I know people there and because like I'm working with Mick Perrin Worldwide and yeah. they're based in Brighton and, and they're basically UK-based company. So at some point i might want to move there for a few months maybe yeah but at the moment i've sort of been just trying to get away with living in iceland mm. and just staying there for most of the year yeah well three three hours is not crazy. not too bad like we we go to i go to perth three or four times a year yes yeah. four hours you know yeah so. it's longer mm. <laughs> in the country yeah. yeah at the moment i'm sort of um since i did fringe the fringe i've been to the soho theater twice Right. In London. So that's been really nice. Like yeah. not living in London, not paying rent there, but but having occasionally a really good gig there. Mm. I hope that I hope I can keep that up without having to relocate. But maybe I'll maybe I'll move there with a the family for like mm. three or four months. Yeah, nice. Do you get nice little perks from Iceland Air from your days there? Do you still get any little No, I should have been way more demanding. Discounts or anything? <laughs> no, not really. I don't have anything going. Well, I did do a series of gig for, gigs for them once, and I did manage to get like some flight vouchers, but I think I've spent all that now. <laughs> I should I should have a talk with them and ask yeah. them to just fly me for free. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could be the face of <laughs> Yeah. I'd yeah. love it. If, yeah, you're the biggest Iceland comedian and that you worked for them one <laughs> once upon a time. Oh, yeah. I think there's like two comedians in the world that do material about Icelander. It's me and Andre Wikström from Iceland, <laughs> who had a bit where he went like, you have the oldest stewardesses in the world. They they use the trolleys to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I just want to, before we wrap up, can Iceland win the World Cup, 2018 World Cup? Well, it definitely can. Um, <laughs> Uh, they have a hard draw though don't they we have a really hard group uh, mm. we have to play like uh, Argentina <laughs> and uh, Croatia yeah. always a favourite we've actually managed to win them once but yeah. the rest of the times it's not gone well right. and then Nigeria and I mean oh. how many people live in Nigeria 130 million yeah. 40 million so yeah, we could have gotten an easier group. <laughs> and the first game is Argentina. Yeah. Like when the draw was announced, there was like a guy who tweeted in Iceland like, "Argentina, okay guys, uh, look out for player number ten. Heads up for you guys." <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like they didn't know who that was. Yeah, right. Messy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's going to capture. The, it'll be really good though. I think for the the country and everything. Yeah, I think it's going to yeah. just be. But it was quite just nice, amazing like, that a, t- a place of that many people can have a have a team of. 
players that are that yeah, that man. quality. We got like a hundred professional players. Mm. So like our starting team is ten percent of the talent. Pool. Yeah, it's just crazy. And I know some of the players, like the goalkeeper. Of course uh, you do. I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, do you live next door? To yeah, well, a really good friend of mine used to play uh, as a left back for them. Uh, he's left the team now. Uh, he's, he's sort of quit football now. But he played a lot of matches with them. And the current squad is a, a little bit younger than me. But uh, I know some of them. And uh, yeah, it's just surreal. Like I mm. want to see them play Portugal. And yeah. uh, Hannes, the goalkeeper, he, uh, he wasn't even a pro goalkeeper a few years before that he'd he'd barely played football for a while he sort of got back into it like after he became 20 he was like yeah i'm gonna play in the lower leagues in iceland maybe maybe have a shot at the top league in iceland and and then he did get a shot at the top league and he and he won the icelandic championship yeah with my team in reykjavik and then he sort of he was still just working as like a director for an advertising agency he was making commercials and short films (laughs) and really good director by the way really talented wow and then they sort of <laughs> then then he was picked for a national team and he just kept that post <laughs> for a long while. He was the only player I think who was playing in Iceland actually on the team. And yeah, then he just got all the way to the Euros and I went to see him play Portugal and and it was just like insane. Like mm. wow, he just defended a shot from Ronaldo yeah. and one from Nani. <laughs> Jesus, this is just a guy. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. That is really cool. Well, I look forward to seeing how they go. I think they they might do better than Australia. Who's Australia playing? We've got a, a reasonably uh, easy draw compared to that. I think we play like uh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like it might be like Chile. Yeah. Um, all no teams that are like super mm-hmm. as good as nowhere near as hard a draw as. But we are we are not yeah. going. Like if Nigeria is the easy team yeah. of your group, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, because Nigeria is a really good team. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we might wrap it up there. Um, do you, you're on uh, social media. Do you want to plug your social media? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I have some nominal uh, existence <laughs> on social media. So if you want to follow me and get zero updates <laughs> and the occasional picture, then it's just my name, Are Eldjarn. It's my handle on all social media platforms. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Cheers. Thank you for allowing me to take it easy with you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. See you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow Ari on social media, he's on Twitter at Ari Eljan. Uh, Ari is A-R-I, Eljan is E-L-D-J-A-R-N, J-A-R-N. Instagram is Ari Eljan uh, as well. And Facebook is Ari Eljan Comedian. So that's A-R-I-E-L-D-J-A-R-N. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, This is episode 11, so there's 10 other episodes you can listen to if you want to go back and have a listen to those, if this is your first time you're listening to this podcast. Uh, If people you know that you want to tell about the podcast don't have iTunes, you can send them to my website, danielconnell.com.au, and check out the podcast section on the website. While you're at it, you might as well check out the gig section on my website for upcoming stand-up shows. Uh, And if you're ever on Facebook, head to my comedy page, Daniel Connell Comedy, and give that a little like as well. That'd be appreciate it. Cheers. Take it easy.